0: Welcome back to Recovering From Everything, a podcast for everyone who's ever had anything happen to them ever. This is a very, very special episode. My friend Jason, the artist, is on. Jason is one of those people that, like, he's really interesting and self-aware. He can open up in a way that a lot of people can't. And... He's like a legit artist, which is really fucking cool. But this is a really great story of Jason's sobriety journey, and it really shines a light on how long, how many decades we'll let ourselves be miserable for before we make permanent changes. I know that's true for me. This is a good episode. Here we go. A
1: question yeah i have a question yeah so i mean for, to be honest yeah. I, I don't really use the word recovery and so and i say that acknowledging that maybe i'm not interpreting it okay optimally or the right way but for me i and i know it's not a word but i kind of use the word uncovery like I'm uncovering. Yeah. Right? I'm not recovering. I'm not going back. Interesting. To some prior, you know, perfect state because I can't go back. Yeah. To that. I'm actually peeling back layers. And yeah. I'm trying to uncover something that was always there maybe, but yeah. wasn't fully realized. So Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But so when you say recovery, like what do you mean?
0: A healing period after something happens. Mm. So uh, the re is not important to me as it is in your definition of it, right? Mm. You switch the re to un, which I love fucking so much. To me, I don't see it. I don't interpret it as re-covering to me it's recovering there's not two parts in that word to me
1: right so in other words like gathering yourself together or
0: yes rest and reflection and and taking care and letting people take care and that is my recovery
1: I would say that I used that I had that understanding Mm -hmm. in the first few years when I was getting sober I would have called that i was definitely getting myself out of the holes that i had dug for myself right mending fences and trying to smooth things over
0: clearing away the wreckage of your past yeah yeah Yeah.
1: you know i was doing all of that so that was definitely a recovery period right
0: and now you're uncovering yeah oh (laughs) so good i might use that sometimes i'll change the name of the podcast to uncovering from everything (laughs) It sends a different message, I think. <laughs> it's a little porny. <laughs> it's very porny. <laughs> oh, my God. What's your name?
1: <laughs> uh, Jason.
0: What's your calling? Is there, a, is there a title?
1: Yeah, I'm an artist.
0: When I talk about you, my friend Jason, the artist. Mm-hmm. Great are on the same page. How do we, <laughs> How do we know each other? Uh, you tell it. You tell
1: it. Um let's see. It was almost uh it was probably 9 over 9 years ago. Oh my god. When we met?
0: What year does that put us in? 2013. 2013. 13. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was 1 year sober mm-hmm. and had a baby.
1: No, you did not yet have a baby. No. Oh my god. Did <gasps> have a baby?
0: I didn't. 10 wasn't born until 2014. Sorry, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was one year sober. Uh Okay.
1: Yeah. And um, let's see. Well, my life had kind of fallen apart and um, had definitely taken a U-turn. I was in the city and so the city Toronto
0: yeah I've heard people call Cambridge the city ah, and that's okay. offensive right, so right. yes the only city
1: right so I was in <laughs> Toronto uh, but the plan was that I was going to grad school yeah and um, yeah that lasted for about I'm trying to think when it came off the rails probably two months into it, something like that.
0: So you were in grad school?
1: Yeah. I was not in a good place at all at that point. And um, I I mean, I was kind of stuck in my waiting tables job. And I thought, you know, I got to change my life. I got to get my act together. What am I going to do? And I decided, well, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to remake myself. This is how I'm going to do it. So I wound up back there. I was abstaining from substances
0: oh good right? good word yeah, yeah. i've
1: been abstaining for a while uh and of course when i was back in that pressure cooker of a situation very very intense and uh i think i was allowing myself recreational pot use at that point you know which then became of course daily yeah of course yeah yeah um and then just things escalated from there. So, yeah, it really came off the rails, and I needed to leave. And I, I came back here to this small town with my tail between my legs, and <laughs> uh, and I had a I was kind of on the outs with my family as well because yeah. you know, I had some conflict, and so I was staying with an ex boss,
0: yeah, who was who was kind of your next door neighbor, my neighbor. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's how we met.
0: And I knew I think what I was looking at. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You didn't let on.
0: Though well that's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I roll. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I just I'm like I always going to make you feel comfortable. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because
0: I I mean if I was like, hey, hi, I'm Kinga. Mm. I think you've got some substance stuff. Mm. You know, you'd be like, get away from me, strange oh, girl.
1: Like a bat out of hell. Oh, fuck yeah. I would have bolted for e- sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's why this is your calling, you know, because actually that whole experience, I remember that conversation with you very clearly mm. at your kitchen table. Yes. And, um,
0: what do you remember about that?
1: Uh, I remember that you gave me space to kind of talk about what was happening. And then very adroitly, you kind of made some connections with the presence of substances. Yeah. So gently calling my attention to that, you know, I was probably mentioning it too. Um, because it was a fact and, um, I just remember this one point in the conversation that really literally changed my life. And that was where, you know, I had, I was kind of peddling around the issue and I was kind of making a lot of some excuses for things. And I was probably laying blame where it didn't belong. And you looked at me and said in the nicest way, I wonder about you. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I wonder about you. Four words, right? Just four words. And that really opened the door to allow me to examine myself. Hmm. Right? You weren't telling me what you saw. You weren't telling me what the predicament that I was in. You weren't judging me. You weren't giving me a verdict. Um, You just used that phrase. Mm -hmm. And for people in a crisis... I think that the window of opportunity for it to go right is actually so narrow.
0: Yeah, I agree. You
1: yeah. know? Yeah. And man, you just, like an expert marksman, you, That <laughs> those words, just you hit the mark. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was enough to open me up. Yeah. To consider... Some options. AA came up in the conversation. I do
0: remember that. At a certain point. Oh, yeah.
1: Because I had been to some meetings before because I had had previous crises in my life where things were out of control and I wound up in an AA meeting. Yeah. And it was terrifying to me. And so I had formed some opinions around that. And then I was sharing those with you and you quickly adjusted me. You said, no, it's not that. It's not that. You, you, I think this probably came after, yeah. you know, you said the, I wonder. Okay, I
0: remember telling you, well, I go to AA.
1: And so that was kind of like a little bit of a cold glass of water in the face. Right? <laughs> and so then I, then I, I kind of started to understand more like the territory that we were in, but you had my trust, you know? And so I was willing to show up.
0: Did you go to a meeting without me? Like what was your first no, no. meeting?
1: I think you were chairing it.
0: I was chairing your first meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I was very active in the
1: first few years. we both were.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cute.
1: Mm -hmm. It helped. It helped, you know.
0: And that's how we know each other. And then, I mean, it's been basically instant connection since day one, Mm -hmm. since that conversation on my kitchen table. Mm -hmm. And now it's, yeah, it's been over nine years. I wanted to talk to you about the, I have it written down as like, The darker period of your life. Sure. And you said off the rails, which is, (laughs) I love that image.
1: So I got sober when I was 43, which I don't know. I mean, it happens when it happens. Yeah. But when I think about it now, I go to myself, man, it was a long trip. It was a long (laughs) haul. Yeah. Because it was obvious to me, like, by the age of, I would say, 30, that there was something wrong.
0: What was happening when you were 30?
1: Mm, It was starting to affect my life. It was starting to affect my drinking. It was affecting my performance. I'm an artist, and after graduate school, I went to grad school in the States. I studied sculpture, and then I moved to New York, and I lived there for a chunk of time. So for the first few years when I was there, I I worked for super high-profile artists, he had some financial problems, and so my job was in jeopardy. And I was like, this is my home. This is where I'm going to stay. This is my life. All my friends are here. I'm, I live in Brooklyn. It's amazing. Like,
0: Can I sidebar this for one second? Yeah. I all day was wearing a black sweatshirt that says Brooklyn at the front. Mm-hmm. And literally as I was deciding whether to change into pajamas before you got here, which as you can see, I did, yeah. I was like, I wonder if my Brooklyn sweatshirt is going to be triggering for you. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like I went into my room to take off my bra because fuck that shit. And then I was like, yes, the Brooklyn sweatshirt like solidified the deal because I'm like, I don't want to trigger the shit out Right, either. right,
1: right. <laughs> You know, it was like it the was best of, it you. was the best of times and yeah. it was the worst of times. Yeah. So anyway, once my job evaporated, I had to figure out a way to survive. And so that's when I started working in restaurants and bars.
0: And you did that for a long, long, long time. Long time. In the service industry, there's a ton of substance use. It doesn't even matter really yeah. which part of the building you're working in mm-hmm. at the end of the shift.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so much frenetic energy that happens at, during service, right? Ugh, and, yes. And so, you know, you're winding debt, quote unquote, winding down, and you're swapping war stories with people you work with and letting off steam. And of course, like, you know, in New York, things close at four in the morning. Yeah. So yeah, that's when things started to amp up to the point where it was impacting my reasons for being there in the first place, which was that, you know, I was pursuing this art career and stuff. It was just taking forever. Uh, And there were some days when, you know, I had to do a lot of extra laps in the pool to get my head together. Um, Right. Yeah. Pretty highly functioning, but still I noticed, you know, like my hand would be shaking sometimes or I didn't like the fact that it felt like I didn't have control. That's when I started stopping, you know, and I would stop for periods of time and I would notice actually that life was much better and I didn't get into the conflicts that I was getting into. I had more money, lots of bonuses, you know, but invariably, because I'd never dealt with the real stuff that's below this kind of problem, the reasons for finding relief would mount and I would be back at it. Yes.
0: You were in your thirties and dealing with the core issues, the reasons doesn't come till way later, right? Oh yeah. I mean, until most recently.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago. Wow. Which
0: is wild, right? Two decades later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the getting sober piece was really about just pulling the linchpin out of the whole kind of faulty apparatus that kept my life running. So yeah, so it's like just a faulty machinery. And it would have just kept going that way forever. Yes. Because alcohol, of course, and substances were the thing that were was lubricating the whole works. Yes. And then so the getting sober piece just pulled the pin out to allow all of that shit to come tumbling down. Yeah. And then you kind of have to sort through everything. (laughs) Yeah. Do a lot of excavation before you can start to build again. Like build a new machine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How did you end up back in Canada?
1: My dad died. Fuck. Um, So yeah, that was 2008. I felt like it was kind of a wake up call. And if I failed to heed it, like, you know, how many chunks need to fall out of the sky? (laughs) For you to say, okay, I got to pack my bags and go home. Yeah. No, this is actually is not my home. Yeah. I need to go back to a place where I am more safe. Ugh. So yeah, so then there was a lot of floundering around, you know, and I made a lot of missteps. I didn't address my father's death at all for probably like at least a year. Like I not even, I, I couldn't even talk about it. He was 67 when he died. There were, there were no prior indications that he had heart disease he just died of a massive heart attack like that he was gone so it was a massive shock and my way of dealing with it of course was oh I'm going to take on another challenge I'm going to move to this other city I'm going to take on this you know ambitious job which I subsequently blew up my life there
0: were you creating art still
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean if you want to call it that
0: what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so by that point, things were so bad that art making, I think was really just a veiled pretext for getting super fucked up.
0: Yes, yes, a lot of creative people uh-huh. that's that's the stereotype though yeah. of being creative, right? Authors, producers, sure. artists. Sure. That's...
1: It's such a lie. I mean, I could have been ranting and raving on a corner.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You know, like, they're, they're like when I say I blew up my life, it meant no job, no place to live, no money, no friends.
0: Did you know at the time that you had done that? Or were you blaming?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I would say that was the first time when things were really completely out of control that's the first time that i noticed it and i was all on my own so there was no one else to blame but myself right you know in fact i have this really i will share this you know there was this moment where i was cleaning my apartment with that i had been evicted from i had no almost no money i had 40 dollars
0: Oh, my God.
1: That was it. Yeah. And I uh, was budgeting what I was going to spend money on. And I wrote on the list like $10 for, I don't know, beans or something. Because, of course, I figured I could steal groceries too. Yeah. And $30 for pot.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And it was on a note on the floor. And I looked at it and I was like, is this addiction? I didn't know.
0: But that is like 10 bucks for food, 30 bucks for drugs is like, yes, that's, that's normal for us. I remember there was one, there was one month where I forgot to budget for a Metro pass (laughs) that I like needed Mm -hmm. to get to work in Mm -hmm. Toronto. Mm -hmm. And, and like, that was like one of those moments where I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? like mm-hmm. got one in my fridge i've got drugs like i'm I'm fine mentally, mm-hmm. but then I'm like holy fuck i I literally don't have any money to actually get to work, <laughs> so then I continued to do that for another you know yeah like,
1: five six years whatever but i mean it was it was such a wake up call when I finally saw it for what it was when you got
0: sober. What was going on with
1: your art? Well, I made the decision at that point um, that I was going to do ceramics, which was a real um, change.
0: Why did you choose that?
1: Because i had had a few brushes with clay studios, like just um, where by chance I, I got access to a clay studio. And so I had my hands in the material and it reminded me of when I was a kid and Um, and I couldn't shake it, you know, and I kept coming back to it. And even before I was going to grad school, I was doing like little clay projects in my basement, even though I didn't have a kiln or anything. Yeah. Um, so it had been on my mind. And then when everything fell apart and I came back, uh, and I was regrouping, I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to take all my skill and put it in this form. You know, I don't think it's any... Accident that I chose clay because think about it, you know, it's the most malleable material. right, like it's it's plastic, and it's it goes through all these different stages, and you have to really attune to it, and you cannot force your will on it because if you do, it'll crack. You know, so I don't think that it's an accident that I. Of course, I didn't think of any of these things at the time, but I don't think it's an accident that I chose clay.
0: So, did you? Was it a. I got sober, my life is perfect. I'm a successful artist now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's exactly what it Just was. Just
0: like. one day to the next. Yeah, it was all roses.
1: And you didn't even really. Yeah. It was you so definitely chill.
0: did not have to work for it. It was so. For chill. years.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it was a grind. And I mean, okay, so here's what I was saying to you before and kind of like before we started recording. Yeah. And here's like something that I think has been kind of a recent development. When I set about doing something now, one of the questions that I ask myself is, okay, what's the real thing at hand? Like, what are we really dealing with here? What are the, what are the main questions or issues that need to be dealt with i'm i could be talking about my work or my personal life or whatever but like what's the thing yeah right because before when i would start a project or whatever i i had an idea of what the thing was but then i would do all of this other work around the thing (laughs) you know so when i (laughs) for instance when i when i decided i was gonna do clay i thought okay well i'm gonna build a kiln
0: Yes, I remember the kiln
1: Remember how that was like a big project? Yes. Like.
0: That was legit though. Like you were. No, for sure. Blueprints. And there was, there was like a whole, you were, there was a supply chain situation. Oh,
1: I I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of money. I excavated. Yes. I concrete pad poured. I have like $10,000 worth of bricks, like sitting in storage.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know?
1: And until I realized, oh, do I really want to build a kiln? Like right when i could just use an electric kiln instead right but no your question was um was everything just ch- easy super easy um no
0: but you're making art now yeah legit
1: yeah <laughs> or more legit
0: it's super legit oh my gosh well you know i mean i've been I've been watching you. I, I saw you at ground zero mm. of this life path. And it, it was years that you were talking about like I didn't even really believe in I knew that you were an artist, but I didn't I didn't know that you were like you're like an artist, artist. <laughs> I mean, I know you said the kiln was was a mistake and, and evidence of of you working around, you know, what you really wanted to do. But like, for me, listening to you talk about that fucking kiln was like, I was like in awe of you. Like that was like, oh, you're like, you're legit. Like you're, like you're a real artist. Like I was like a kid, like who's, who's even saying the word kiln in their like everyday life? Like, oh, Jason is, Hmm. Jason is. And then.
1: But I think that was also demonstration. Like that was also an example of, choosing the hard way yes you know yes and And I
0: understand that now of course at the time I was like fuck yeah let's let's build your kiln man like let's do this right because it because I know what that meant to you and I know what that meant to to your life and not even not getting back on track because it's not getting back anywhere it was like moving forward in this way that was so true to who you fucking are
1: Hmm very symbolic yeah like, you know it was it was like me saying put your money where your mouth is and yeah like, are you really serious about this Yeah, yes like a test of your commitment yeah, yes I was yeah um, I didn't need to I'm finding like ways of you know kind of finding a middle road that's not so extreme now um, but I think that's because a lot of things in my life are more in alignment so
0: Yes. And that is like really tricky for people like us is to find balance mm. to not teeter to one side, right? Whether it's yeah. teetering too much to this, you know, good quote unquote good path that we've picked or or the, the dark side. Like to be able to balance on the the teeter totter of life.
1: And that's a that's a that's still a challenge today. You know, oh, like, yeah. I mean I'm experiencing that right now like I, um, my tendency is to really burrow and to tunnel into things. Right. And so like, and the thing is like, in a certain sense, if you focus all of your energy and drive and passion and hours into your work, like that's kind of validated by our culture. Right. Yes. So that can become like a trap in and of itself. But I'm trying to intervene in that and say, you know, you got to come up for air and you got to look around and you got to tend to lots of different things in your life. Um, You
0: got to come hang out on my couch now and again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, And, and all of that helps too, you know, because I think you come back, I come back to the studio fresher and more focused. You have to have a life to draw from as well.
0: How was COVID for you? (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) that was something yeah um well i think that we kind of both had yeah an experience it was a time there yeah um
0: we both healed a lot of shit and before we heal anything it's like it's the darkest before the light right yeah
1: that was the last big upheaval it kind of reminded me of like being turfed out of the nest (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's that's how I think of it now. So like the world was upside down, my job had just ended. I went into the studio, I started working, I had some concrete direction and a, a mentorship that I was doing at that time. So I had a lot of material to work with and a lot of focus and a lot of support and I was just constantly working and I and then it was around that time also that some, some things that I recognized from childhood, I, I saw them differently than I had ever seen them before. I saw that how that might be related to a lot of the struggles that I went through in my life. And mm-hmm. I
0: know what EMDR is because I've done it and I fucking love it. It is the coolest shit ever. What is EMDR for the people who are listening that don't know what it is?
1: uh oh, i guess it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing yeah, yeah yeah i mean it. i did it online
0: and that's like the cool thing about emdr is it's it's not traditional talk therapy like it's about um uh what's it called
1: it's draining
0: you know your well of emotions that have built up in this one yeah thing for so fucking long
1: yeah and it's experiential. Like it's not, there is talking that's happening, but it's primarily about the emotional state. Yes. Um, Yeah. And so it's very different from other kinds of talking. So
0: different. Yeah. It feels kind of hokey at the time, you know, and then like, I remember just being fucking exhausted after every session, like I'd have to go home and I need to need to like lie down for a bit and I haven't had because I also went for trauma and my symptom of trauma was like rage and I haven't had rage like since
1: yeah. EMDR.
0: Like yeah. I, like obviously I get angry and I get heated about stuff, but mm. nothing like
1: mm-hmm.
0: ever before. How many sessions did you do? Twenty
1: five.
0: Oh, you went hard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> Like you, you've got time yeah, and time to rest after yeah. and time to mentally process stuff. Mm-hmm. And
1: one, one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. A hundred percent. And I remember thinking at one point, God is like, is this it? It is. It's
0: a big It's deal. a massive
1: part of it. Yeah. Right. Along with like the tapping and the, and I mean, it's kind of hard to, The tapping sounds really hokey, but it's actually happening. It's affecting you on a neurological level, right? And so that's the thing that's, that's so powerful about EMDR when it comes to trauma is that you, I absolutely believe that something changed neurologically and that more of me came online than I was previously able to access. Prior to it, that I had a degree of cognitive impairment Yeah. That I wasn't aware of until after, particularly in certain, you know, loaded situations.
0: Yeah. Did you see that reflected in the art you were creating?
1: That's a process. And I think that now I'm able to more decisively pick a target that I'm moving towards. Yeah. You know, I would say more effectively. So I'm, so in other words, I'm making decisions based on like multiple factors and i think that's just more effective than these prior i would say oh okay i'm gonna do this big you know jazzy ambitious thing yeah and put all kinds of energy into it and then have it quote-unquote fail right and then have to recover from the emotional you know beat-up session that i would do on myself because of that you know so i'm I'm approaching it very differently than i did
0: before oh that's so cool Mm. Have you made anything recently?
1: I'm making, because there's a lot more on my plate, there's a lot more to contend with as well. And the rewards are also greater. Yes. So. Yeah. I think it took a lot of practice and continued focus and attention to, I don't know, keep all the balls in the air. (laughs) And i work on it too you know like i get yeah. up first thing i do every day is meditate yeah so and that that has been like happening for a while now and I'm, you know journaling and reading and doing lots of work so it's not like i did emdr and then no you know, god no um, got
0: sober did emdr now
1: yeah, yeah enjoy go. your new life yeah no it's a lot of work
0: no i know i know you do a lot of work how long do you meditate for in the morning
1: about half an hour
0: holy shit Good for you. Oh, my God. I meditate for probably five or ten minutes in the morning. Mm. And then I read my horoscopes on uh, five different things. And then I use my Moonly app to see where we are, where the moon is, and what sign. Uh, And then then I play some games. And then... (laughs) Like I do. Hurdle and Wordle and And then I hop on Instagram and and by then I'm like, okay, I'm I'm ready for the noise. And then I like go on to socials. <laughs> and then it's just noisy for a while. Yeah. And then I try to meditate like for twenty minutes in bed. Um but nothing relaxes me more than a uh, true crime documentary. So I do mm-hmm. 20 minutes of meditate, like guided meditations. Mm-hmm. And then I fall asleep too. I think you're watching like killer in plain sight right now, which is like, <laughs> it's so bad, but relaxes the shit out of me. And that's
1: wow. part of my self care. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think that would work for me.
0: It doesn't work for most people. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Self-care. Self-care every day. <laughs> anyway, all right. How much is your least expensive piece right now?
1: Oh man, <laughs> tell me. Yeah, they're too expensive. What's so your in least a way, ex- in what's a your way We can't we can't talk about it right now cuz I oh. like I I am I'm literally trying to solve this problem right now, right? So to
0: me this is not a problem. To me this is like Oh my no, God. but I'm
1: trying to, I'm tr- I'm making a bunch of things that are, will be like, you know, in the $200 range. Okay. Right. Yes. So those things,
0: those things are not in existence yet. So no. at this exact moment in time, are more what, more like what,
1: like what, like what? Uh, Like I would say they start at around like 400 yes. to. What's your most expensive? Um, I think nine. Yes. Yeah.
0: Where can people find you? Because your Instagram has been so good
1: lately. Thanks. Oh, so good. Yeah, my Instagram is probably the best way is um, at Region of Plenty. Region of Plenty.
0: Yeah. One word. Yeah. And where can people buy your stuff?
1: I have things available at the Gardener Shop in Toronto Ooh. and also through the Artling. Yes. Which is an online art platform out of asia actually
0: it's i cruised the website when you first got on there it's so cool Mm. i looked at all of your stuff can't afford a single thing okay thank you thanks for having me you're welcome thanks for doing this who knew that texting me hey how are you in the morning would be like can you come over and record a podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm sneaky like that we know that though yeah Wasn't that so great, buddies? Jason's a really, really great example that you're never too old to make major life changes. And you might as well do them today because after you put yourself on a better path, there's way more changes coming your way. You got to be like the clay. Be malleable and definitely, definitely look at stuff from your childhood. Thanks again to Jason. You can find him at Region of Plenty on Instagram and theartlang.com to buy his stuff. I have one piece of his work in my house. Don't rob me though. I am so in love with this vase. It's really one of the most gorgeous things I've ever owned. So that's it. I'll see you next week.
1: I love you. Bye.